0: Say that. I don't think we should be aggressive with her. I need her to know that she got what she came here for and she has no right to come back here anymore. Publication is never a good thing. Tell me how to say it. Akma.
1: Welcome to Radical Listening, the Portland podcast where we talk to local artists about their current projects. I'm your host, Phil Johnson.
2: And I'm your co-host, Clifton Holtznoggle. Today we're sitting down with some members of the team from the Brothers Paranormal, a production with Coho Productions and Media Rights Theater Diaspora. Today we're going to talk with Samson Seheroth, one of the actors, and Kate Duffley, the director.
1: Yeah, and this was a fun conversation we uh, it's a it's a quicker one than usual, but w- we really dive into what it means to be a POC theater artist in Portland. Um, they talk about the theater diaspora. they talk about um, the show and then we cover some fun stuff in headlines. we talk about body positivity. We talk about
2: dogs and bears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is fun. No yeah dog like bears, bear like dogs. Yeah lots of good stuff there um yeah and this this play was really great i i really enjoyed it i got to catch the um the sunday performance on opening weekend and uh it broke some expectations for me you know as a white man sometimes you see a show with asian people and african-american people and you think it's going to be about the fact that they're asian or african-american and it was so much more than that so um yeah i mean i laughed i actually cried i was scared uh uh, and uh yeah it was just a really They really pulled it season. off they really pulled it off in the acting and design all around were really great so. yeah
1: definitely come and see this set. we the whole time we were recording guys there was a light flickering and i was like is there a ghost in this building
2: you know you'll have to come see to find out yeah
1: here you go here's the interview with uh samson siharath and uh kate duffley
2: all right, we're on the set of The Brothers Paranormal by Prince Gomovilis, running th- October 25th through November 16th at Coho Theatre. And we're talking with Samson Seheroth, who is one of the actors, and Kate Duffley, the director of the show. Hi, guys, how you doing? Yeah, hey, pretty good. Hi. How are
0: you?
1: So, let's, let's, let's talk about this show. Um, first of all, whose idea was this?
3: That's a great what, question. Who was it? <laughs> um, Dime Roberts?
0: Yeah, d May Roberts, who's the associate, uh, well, I'm the associate producer. Dime Roberts is the executive producer at Meteorites. Uh, we started this theater diaspora project in 2013, and, uh, we, we happened upon the script, and the first time I read it, I was like, wow, this is, this is a great script, mm. and so we did a stage reading of it, uh, a couple years ago, and, um, yeah, it was a workshop reading and we finally came around to saying we should do a full production sometime. And, and
3: that, that was cool production. So that was in 2017, January yeah. 2017 and mm-hmm. we had Prince Gomel Vilas, the playwright, come out and uh, see our reading and come to some rehearsals oh, wow. and yeah. so it was a, it was a workshop for for his play. Um, and before it was kind of before a bunch of people started picking up his play this year mm-hmm. I think there have been s- five productions yeah yeah. when I looked good. it up I
1: saw a few productions mm-hmm. and we're the west coast premiere is that right
3: well we're sharing the west oh, coast no. premiere with uh, Seattle well
0: Port we open players. on Friday they open on Saturday so then yes <laughs> so <laughs> technically, <laughs> technically technically yes. we did it Yeah. <laughs> Yay. we're doing it out here again that's good <laughs> but yeah, it was actually like a spo- spontaneous rolling r- world premiere cuz uh I, we I, we actually went to go see it in New York.
3: Which is pretty Oh yeah, cool. that was pretty really cool. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Pan-Asian Repertory Theater yes, in Pan New York Asia. uh this summer.
2: Great. Yeah, it was great. Oh, recently. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When was yeah. it written?
3: Well, I think Prince has said that he started writing it about 8 years ago.
2: Oh, yeah, wow. that makes sense cuz they do they mention Katrina as being like just like two years prior in the script or something yeah. like right. that yeah so the
3: the play is set in 2005 2004 mm-hmm. um and so so prince wasn't writing it at that point but he he's been right. working on it for a long time for, he he said that it really is like a culmination of all of the things that he's interested in
0: right cool. it's really interesting because there are certain uh lines in the script where you're like oh yeah trump was not president at that time
1: oh my god oh. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> Yeah. That's, yeah, that's Could you imagine an updated version with Trump? Everything <sighs> would be different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Takes place in like Yeah, it's like in Puerto Rico or something. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I will say that um from the description uh it had seemed like this was a play about um so uh some thai brothers like taking advantage of the the idea that um people think that asian people are magical that like you know that stereotype or whatever yeah. which is something that i had heard brought up in um other discussions um about you know specifically asians in theater before but uh i was very pleased to see that it was like so much more than that and oh like, yeah. it was really really like uh, um yeah it was highly touching and uh yeah i just wanted to say that because it was a beautiful beautiful piece i cried <laughs> so yeah awesome. i mean it was, it was <laughs> a beautiful amount of truth um because sometimes when when you're looking at you know activism theater and stuff it can mm-hmm. become so uh the stories can get a little bit lost in the activism and this was like a beautiful representation of culture and mm-hmm. a really amazing story that was you know twists and turns and <laughs> all sorts of things so.
3: yeah that's why i loved this play when i read right. it I, as, as soon as i read it i The other work that I do is often community-based theater. I'm really interested in political theater. Often it is very kind of message-oriented. The best political theater is not, right? It's complex and nuanced, Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes it is really message-oriented, and sometimes that's okay, right? You have a clear message, you want to send that clear message. What I love about this play is that it is so political, partly just because of having non-white at all non-white cast of a kind of multi-ethnic multi-racial um cast wherein race is not the central like topic of the play which is really rare
2: right yeah the culture is evident but not the topic which is and it's
3: important right it's important to the story it's not Mm -hmm. it's not um like brushed under the rug or it's it is a significant feature of the story but it's not the only aspect
0: Hmm. And it's also the intersectionality of Asian-American and African-American relationships. It's, yeah, it's not something I've ever really seen in shows before.
3: And it is funny and spooky <laughs> it's and dramatic. It's funny
2: spooky, spooky, spooky. Yeah. <laughs> I was scared of several times. <laughs> <laughs> several Good. times I jumped. Yay. That was some really, really cool horror stuff. And you, you really don't see that on stage much at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the, I mean, I'm not going to give anything away, but there was... Some things flying across the room that surprised me i'll just say that like yeah it was good it was good lots of illusions yeah lots yeah of illusions.
0: those are
3: really fun to work on those are sure, fun yeah. challenges prince wrote us some challenges
2: mm. in the play fun challenges.
0: fun challenges fun challenges yeah i can
2: imagine some of those stage directions being like oh, oh boy. they were like what yeah. what is that how do we what Yeah. Can... <laughs> fun
1: what yeah. were your uh biggest triumphs do you feel in this process
3: getting all the magic tricks to work. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know if that was the biggest one, but that did feel satisfying.
0: Uh, I really, uh, a lot of times we had people in the audience who haven't been to see theater. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like our second preview, we had the um, immigrant refugee community organization bring refugees and immigrants about 40 of them, Mm -hmm. 30 to 40. And like there's, moments in the play where it's not in English it's in Thai and for them to understand that like one person was like oh I loved it when the mom said I love you in Thai like it reminded me of the way my mom talks and like it really touched me and made me cry and I'm gonna come see it three more times and I was like yeah yeah that's pretty cool
3: <laughs> and it as part of that Urco group that came the second preview there were a lot of young people a ton mm. of young people There were this whole back row filled with young people and just having these amazing like really vocal responses to what they were <laughs> the seeing <best>. on stage <laughs> and not in kind of um like there's certain places where i think we anticipate audiences responding yeah, with right. laughter or something yeah. like especially like regular theater goers mm-hmm. um they were not, they were just responding in su- really surprising places. Um, and it was so fantastic. And it felt like, oh, we've really done good work, right? Like they're surprised and yeah. engaged and cheering. And yeah, it was great.
0: Yeah. they. It's kind of like the the audiences that go to see horror movies mm-hmm. where they kind of talk to you and of like, Oh, no, 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 yeah. don't do that. No, 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 no. It was kind of like that, <laughs> yes. which is really cool and surprising yeah. as an actor. I was gonna say, as an actor, how
1: does that feel like to hear the people commenting on your actions? Is
0: it... It's it's different. It's a trip. It's, do yeah. you
1: feel like do you feel like when they do that, does it ever take you out of the of the scene or anything like that.
0: I mean, I think the first time for like a split second, but then it kind of just drives you to just keep going. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It just it it was just so much fun.
1: Well, that's the fun thing about poc audiences in general is that yeah. because they're non traditional theater goers, mm-hmm. they don't have the rules that we all you know are so used to. So, I mean, I've you know been in productions, including um, the previews that I'm in right now. Where the audience is sitting there doing exactly that where they're just talking, No, oh no, she didn't like, yeah. all of that stuff. And <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's invigorating and very energizing, it especially is. because it it kind of affirms that we are making a piece for them. Mm-hmm. You know, as yeah. opposed to the traditional, you know, kind of quiet clappers.
3: And I think too, it it kind of highlights what is so great about theater in in that it is a live event, Mm -hmm. right? And that um, when the theater-going audience is so kind of polite and like playing, like adhering to the rules Mm -hmm. of what it means to be like a good audience member, in, in some ways, they're failing to be good audience members because they're not really like making the most of the liveness of that experience. Yes. Yeah, that's you know, yeah, yeah. In the same room. that's right. We're all in the same room. Anything could happen. Someone could jump up from their seat and start yelling at any moment, Which they and do. they think don't. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> right, and you, w- and kind of, you wish it would. It would really mess up your show, mm-hmm. but it, it would be a thing actually happening. Yeah, right, and so that, yeah, I think that's. The, the most exciting thing about having not seasoned theater yeah. audiences, aside from feeling like, oh, great, our, this is great, our play is being seen by more than just this handful of, of people who go see theater all the time, yeah. is that, that there isn't that con- social contract that's so fixed, right? Yeah. So there is a little bit more of a sense of like a feedback loop between the performers and the audience.
1: Yeah, it's also an interesting moment in theater history, maybe even, where the audiences that have been going to theater are these traditional audiences, but because we're trying to break away from that, you know, we almost have to kind of coax our audiences. Now, you know, like, I've been seeing pre-show speeches where people are like, Hey guys, like, so if you feel like you see a bad guy on stage, feel free to boo or hiss, or if you, Mm -hmm. you know, see something that's really funny for you, feel free to laugh out loud or, you know, feel free to engage with our actors and feel free to engage with this production. And, And once you do that, once you kind of give the audience that um, ability, then they take that information. Next thing you know, they're, you know, they're fully immersed, you know, and I love that dialogue because it um, again,
2: it just affirms that what we're doing is,
1: you know, for them. Yeah.
2: And I think that uh, the horror in particular allows for that because it it causes people to lose control a little bit, you Mm -hmm. know, like they don't have as much control as they normally do. And, you know, I was here uh for uh, like a, a, a two o'clock matinee which is traditionally older audience and they were but they were like there you know and i i could hear them rustling and then at intermission they're like oh well, what do you what do you think about it? and i was like <laughs> everyone's like really charged up right now it was really cool and a lot of times you know it's not that way like some people next to me just started talking to me which is mm-hmm. <laughs> you know wow <laughs> you know, people i didn't know started talking to me. but it was like it was cool i had a great conversation with these Uh, two older women who were sitting next to me about like what do you think's going on did you hear that guy what he thinks is happening like they were (laughs) guessing some of the stuff that was about to happen and it was like i had a really great conversation because everyone was like so i think it yeah um horror in particular can bring that out but i i I can see this script being great for anyone like Mm -hmm, you know kids could watch this and just be scared and think it's awesome and then you know everyone loved it so
1: what yeah. what do you want people to take away from this piece you know regardless of race or you know gender or anything like that what do you want them to leave thinking about?
0: I mean i I like the idea that people leave still thinking about it and wondering like well, what was that was that real or was that not real mm-hmm. or uh, what is this relationship or what's gonna happen next mm-hmm. um, yeah
3: yeah, I think it's really. <laughs> I think it's multiple things. So one, I what I love about this play is that it is a good time. Mm. Um, because of my interest in you know social justice, I, I'm often drawn to serious <laughs> plays that mm. are trying to you know make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and those don't always tend to be a good time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sure. And this is a good time. You know, I don't really like to be scared. But this is scary, I think, in a fun way. Um, That it feels good to be surprised in the way this play is going to surprise you. Um, So it's a good time. It's spooky in a Halloween season, which is fantastic. Perfect, yeah. And I also hope that after people have walked away with, with like, shocked by whatever surprises they're going to be shocked by, that they're also thinking about... um, the, ex- the life experiences of the characters, mm-hmm. right, and the and and kind of how lovely the story is, the way that it's connecting these two uh, families and these two people in particular, Max and Delia, um, really connect across um, kind of racial lines and and have some commonalities that they discover. Um, so it's really both things, and again, I think that's what is so cool about the script is that it does both really well. Mm.
0: Um, I like the idea that people, like, sometimes they come and they're like, oh, it's a ghost story, but it's so much more. And, uh, yeah, just that conversation about mental illnesses, especially in communities of color, uh, it's just something that we don't really talk about. And, like, it's kind of an icebreaker to be like, yeah, why don't we talk about that? Mm -hmm. That's as much a part of our being as anything else.
2: Yeah. I would say it also really spoke to that. I don't know dichotomy between that that we I think is being talked about a lot now between um, believing in the supernatural and its connection with mental illness and the romanticization Mm. of mental illness versus like are are the people that we consider mentally ill really in touch with another plane in some way or just have a um, bigger amount of empathy or something like that and it was a really like I think beautiful nuanced look at that and didn't discount one way or the other. And that was a really beautiful thing to see happen.
0: I'd also love people to come back and see it again. Yeah. 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 Knowing what they know (laughs) after they see it. (laughs) Like I would totally go see it again if I was like, no, wait, is it, how did that, yeah, 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 I'll do it I'll again. I was again. like,
2: racking my brain, thinking about, like, wait, but he didn't... <laughs> <then> I thought <laughs> yeah. anything away, but it was just, like, I just kept thinking back over every, like, interaction and being, like, holy crap, like, they... <laughs> yeah.
0: And yeah. even, like, we, I was talking to the playwright. We went and got dim sum, like, the day he left, and then we were talking about something, and then he, he told us, he was like, oh, yeah, did you find this little Easter egg that I hid? And I was like, I knew it. I was told that, Kate, we, we... yeah, <laughs> yeah, I told you, and even through the whole rehearsal process, we were like, no. Would, would he... Yeah, yeah. And she's like, yeah. Well, now I will <laughs> tell you know. about it. I would ask <laughs> after. Yeah. I mean, usually you can we don't can't give it away. Usually we give, we give have away spoiled spoilers, plays before in this podcast, this, this so this don't worry. this
2: play is, like so, like, like you could spoil it by just talking about what happens in the second act. Yeah. yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, and because uh, there, there's some really great twists that are really cool. And so. Yeah. Nice. so this whole podcast is <laughs> this just about, like a podcast, teaser I think we, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we usually do spoil things and don't worry about it but this one I think is just okay. too much of a good one to well, spoil we'll tell, more you, terms about, we'll tell you more details after oh, in yeah. terms of how <laughs> integral
1: the twists are <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the music influence um, because you, so did you have the live musician you said on opening night? Is that an that Opening
0: worked? night. Yeah. Oh, so cool. how did that
1: work? I'm just curious.
0: Well, he also did the underscoring. So uh, for the, the regular shows without Joe Kai, he has recordings of his yeah. music that we started using.
3: Yeah. So the staged reading we have, so theater diaspora, has done a lot of stage readings in the past. They're kind of these uh, really cool enhanced stage readings. Um, so more than just scripts and you know yeah. music stands. Um, so we had this, one of these enhanced stage readings and Joe Kai, the musician, he's a violinist and a, he loops sort of live looping of his um, violin music played live for every show of the stage reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the only sound we had. Yeah. Um for this production we had he composed the music um the score that that's sort of underneath a lot of the scenes but we also had a sound designer Ryan yeah. gamblin um who did a really good job of mixing together some of the other sounds in this world with um Joe's music and and but it was really cool to have Joe here playing mm-hmm. live
1: Was he on stage or where where do you play He was up in the catwalk He was in
0: the oh
2: catwalk? catwalk that's yeah. great. that's great the catwalks don't get used enough in this space and yeah i wanted to use it more for the show but uh. everyone i I feel like whenever (laughs) i work on a show here everyone's like oh we're gonna use the
0: catwalk for this and then
2: that and then it's slowly like ah but getting light up there and it's gonna be a thing thing, and it all ends up moving back on stage but (laughs) so (laughs) i'm
1: noticing i'm sorry i'm just noticing this um is that wanda's
0: art it is nice yeah
3: i was like i recognize
0: that art wanda who Wanda Walden, Walden, oh, costumes. Yes, yeah. So costume. Wanda Walden
3: did our costumes, and her art
0: is also in the lobby. Oh, cool! Oh, yeah. Nice.
3: And then she also contributed this beautiful. I was like, tapestry. that looks very wonderful. It me does. As well.
0: It's so colorful. Just yeah, like Wanda. guys, you have to see the set. It's
2: <laughs> and the beautiful. Set and I did have a question about that because it, it gets doubled as both apartments Mm -hmm. so what was the thought behind that like and did you run into any issues there or um
3: um yeah so our set is uh designed by kira sanford and she set it up so that yeah there's this this tricky thing thanks Mm -hmm. very much prince where the set is sometimes um max's family's apartment and sometimes Delia and Felix's apartment and parts of that apartment kind of at at points overlap. Mm -hmm. Um, So the couch that's over there is um, at different moments in Felix is in Max's apartment and at different moments in Delia's apartment. So there's this kind of diagonal line that's running across the stage. Um, Half of it's uh, carpeting and half of it is painted to look like tile. And so that I think is a big gesture to like this kind of the way the space is divided up. Sure, Mm -hmm.
2: yeah. It does kind of flow, like, stage left to stage right with, like, intersecting in the middle. Yeah, and then, cool. and then on
3: the walls and then this bookcase, we really tried to, like, on this side is mostly Max... Uh, sorry, Delia and Felix... Stage left stuff, side. yeah, yeah, on the stage left side. Thank you. And then the bookcase is kind of mixed, mm-hmm. right? A mix of things. And then the stage right side is more representative of Max Max's family.
0: Oh, and wow. it's interesting because we have a lot of elephant stuff on there, yeah, which are both kind of African American and Asian culture.
2: That's what I noticed too. There was like a, 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 an elephant tapestry at one point, and I was yeah. like, "Who's oh, could be mm. anybody." It's interesting. Yeah, I liked that. Yeah. So I, I also realized uh,
0: the entrances most entrances for Max's is on that side except for like the very end but yeah
1: mm-hmm. so you. I'm curious about the theater um diaspora project and um how, how you got into that and
0: yeah what are your missions and uh so we started off when PCS was doing Chinglish uh D. May Roberts had just I just moved to town from Mm -hmm. Arkansas and I did a show at shaking the tree called wild tales Mm -hmm. and D may saw me in that. And she's like, Oh, an Asian actor. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So then we met up and we did a stage reading of the dance in the railroad by David Henry Huang. And so when we did that at PCS, we were like, well, we should do this more often just so people are aware of the Asian American playwrights and the other works that they do that aren't, known very often so we started doing that in 2013 and we just kept on doing it it was under the umbrella of meteorites which is its own 501c3 okay but um, theater diaspora is focused on amplifying the asian american voice through Mm -hmm. authentic representation and we're actually in the process of becoming our own 501c3 and yeah i'm kind of taking that that's exciting yeah yeah now that we're open i can really like double down on that
2: yeah that's big because i feel like in every city i've lived in it's just been uh the asian american representation or asian representation on stage has just not been there and um you know it's way farther behind in terms of white people still playing asian roles and yellow Mm -hmm, face even like i can remember seeing shows with that in my you know not that long ago and um so is it And I didn't know a lot of Asian people in theater. And I always wondered if it was because the roles were just so stereotypical that Asian people are pushed away from doing theater. Or like, what's, I just didn't know why I didn't see Asian people in theater. It's interesting because
0: I moved here and people are like, oh, how is it acting here? And I'm like, well, there aren't really roles for me. Mm -hmm. But then when I ask why aren't there roles for me, they say because there aren't Asian actors. And so it's (laughs) like, well, why would we stay if there aren't roles for us? Yeah. And then why do they have to be Asian roles for you to cast me? Like, it doesn't yeah. have to, like, That's it doesn't say white. Question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: it doesn't say white yep. character. Yep. Yeah.
1: Well, if it doesn't say, you know, black or Asian or uh, Latino, then that means white.
2: The default is white. Yeah. 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 Well, it's great to see, like, a play like this that is features Asian characters mm-hmm. in Asian culture, but is just. Here you go Here's just the play. Play. Yeah. yeah just relationships <laughs> just am just i allowed
3: to ask a question i have a question for samson oh, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> i'm <laughs> no. really
3: curious i just i i love theater diaspora and i'm just really curious if you have thought about next projects i know this one is still happening but
0: uh yeah so we're kind of planning this next um season we have one play we're looking at doing we don't have like rights or anything yet so i'm afraid to like say anything Mm. but i do want i do want to do at least one fully staged production a year Mm -hmm. and then i want new works Mm -hmm. i want new works by local playwrights Mm. of color yeah yeah so maybe something like that please put it out there (laughs) yeah just (laughs) putting that out there into the world
1: i'm just curious (laughs) what keeps you engaged in theater you know we talk about you know there's that many roles and now you've founded Mm -hmm. this company like what why do you make theater? Uh,
0: I, like, like I said, I grew up in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So uh, that wasn't even a, a thought in my mind to like have a career in theater. Mm-hmm. I was starting to be like a veterinarian or a math teacher or something like that. And then I happened to be in a play that was um, very effective and um, centered around social justice in a way. It didn't, it didn't have any words, which is really cool. And after the play, I came out and an audience member came up to me and said, uh, after seeing that it will change the way I look at the world. Mm. And I was just kind of, I didn't know what to say. I didn't like, I didn't realize that I could affect someone in such a way. And so I was like, I love this feeling and I can try to make the world a better place. Yeah with this, so I changed my major, and here I am. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Important. Yeah,
3: yeah, so I I, I mean, actually, I have have sort of a similar path. I came to theater in a bit of a roundabout way. I was, I acted, you know, in high school and in college, um, but I was also a history major, and I was really interested in the history of social movements, um, like American history, immigration history, and labor history. I thought I was gonna be a community organizer. That was my plan. Um, and I I took a class in college and I, I, I learned about um, a bunch of uh, playwrights and theater companies like El Teatro Campesino, which was mm-hmm. kind of the cultural arm of the um, United Farm Workers Union. Um, and I read Susan Laurie Parks mm-hmm. and Naomi Wallace and I my mind was blown and I realized wow i could bring together my interest and my passion for social justice with theater and that theater is such an amazing vehicle for this kind of work right it's storytelling and we need better stories that ask ask us to imagine um, different worlds and new possibilities um so that's sort of it sounds kind of similar to what samson's describing
1: wow has portland influenced your
0: creativity
3: at all
1: since you've been here do you feel like your creativity has
0: changed? I feel like it has. Um, I, so people always say Portland is like the whitest city in the country. And then when people talk about Portland, they say, oh, yeah, there's no people of color there. And I'm like, there are. You just don't see them. Yeah. And so kind of ch- like changing that vocabulary just a little bit, like I feel like it's so much more. Uh, it's so much more important than we think it is yeah I think just kind of switching perspective just a little bit is really helpful for me and I think Portland's done that yeah
3: Yeah, I think likewise I I think you make a really good point right there's this narrative which isn't untrue about Portland being the whitest city in America Mm -hmm. Um, but to kind of continually come back to that narrative does this work of erasing all the people of color who live in the city um, and I guess I've been so excited to be a part of um, organizations that are connecting, um, uh, connecting kind of, yeah, what I would call anti-racist work um, or connecting theater with um, communities of color like Theater Diaspora. Um, Also work with uh, the August Wilson Red Door Project um, and they've been doing incredible things, and it's really cool, partly because of the size of Portland to see to be able to actually see a culture shift begin to happen. Um, so, to me, that's something that's really exciting about uh, making work in Portland. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: It's also interesting to see. Uh, I I love how August Wilson Red Door Project is a has the education aspect of it because when we think about theater and actors and uh the people that are classically trained they have the privilege to be trained yeah i feel like as an asian american you don't have the privilege to go into that because your parents want you to be a doctor or a lawyer or things like that most of the time mine did and so you you don't really think oh i'm gonna go to school for acting Mm. and so i i like that with theater diaspora, sometimes we hire people that aren't actors, Mm -hmm. quote unquote actors. And so we, our rehearsal processes are a little bit educational because they don't have the experiences that we would typically think that an actor would.
2: You can find Radical Listening from Virtual Sonic Reality on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. So find us on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe to follow along. While you're there, why don't you just go ahead and give us five stars? You know you love us, and we love you too. So Our thanks for section, listening. Headlines. Enjoy the show. Our favorite section. Oh. Headlines. <laughs> headlines. And I just got a
1: couple for you guys today. We're on a schedule, tight schedule, so we'll move right along. Um, this, is, this is a fun one. After adopting him, the headline reads, After adopting him, they realize it's not a dog. Family adopts new dog. When vet sees it, he calls the cops. <gasps> I'll give you a little backstory.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, what was it?
1: Apparently, in this story, I think this happened in China, and a family adopted what they thought was a dog. Turns out it was a bear. <gasps> uh, bear and it took them until it got to about 250 what? 300 pounds what? before they realized Wait a, minute. Be a very
2: large dog now. <laughs> You're like this bear. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: I don't know, just reactions to <laughs>
2: What would you do? Yeah. What, what color was it? Well, I'll show you a picture. Oh. Oh yeah, I want to see a picture. That looks like a dog. They just shaved it to look like oh, a dog. It's that's also just a, a thumbnail. It like also looks like a lion. It looks like a lion.
3: Way. It, it yeah. kind of looks like I a mean, lion. It's a
0: well-groomed
1: bear
3: dog. Yeah, I mean, hmm. looks like I my,
0: my aunt's dog that was named Bear. My reaction
3: bear. to that. Well, I've been thinking about getting a dog, but I am scared
0: of the. But it's a bear. <laughs> no, <laughs> make sure that I'm your dog of, is not a bear. I'm
3: scared of many things, and now I'm going to add to that list the fear that it might be a bear. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I, I didn't realize that bears look so similar to dogs. Because that looks... their face or something, yeah. yeah.
1: That was my reaction as well. It's like, the I, grooming. I, I make think that it's the grooming. Because if you really think about it, bears and dogs do look very similar. Yeah. Mm. But, well, you I know, mean, when they they're small, really maybe you can't tell. Like they a, have fur. Like a puppy. That was big, <laughs> though. <laughs> stand up, though, maybe, like yeah. on its hind legs. Well, that was what tipped them off, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Not the fact that it was already, like, 250 pounds. They're like, why is my dog
1: walking around on his hind leg? (laughs) And taller than me.
2: (laughs) Wow. That's a good
1: one. Great. Uh, All right, here's another one. This one's interesting. (laughs) Um, Body positivity isn't enough. Why more people are saying goodbye to the love yourself movement. And the quote here is, we are reinforcing the idea that what they look like matters, and that's the problem.
2: What do we do instead? Just... Not think I'm uh, I'm body. I don't know. Wait, I don't I see think body. I need to hear it again. I think okay, I need to it, hear so it again. It's
1: complicated. I, so I think the general idea is um, the quote here, which is we're reinforcing the idea that what you look like matters and that's the problem. So the body positivity movement, some people are interpreting, uh-huh. you know,
3: hmm. how do you, how do you, how do you view that? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I feel like super positive about body positivity. Okay. I can see, I know, hmm, I have to think about that.
2: I can <laughs> I see how body positivity, if you are if you go up to someone who, uh, I don't know, if, if you start talking about body positivity to someone uh, who isn't, you know, doesn't have conventional beauty standards, if all they're hearing of that about from people is, you know, oh yeah, love your body, but they're, you know. They just keep hearing that. What and is so what not, message is that sending right. about my body? Yeah. Okay, I'm with
3: you. I mean, I feel like, yeah, sometimes maybe the message is like you don't always have to love your body. Right? Like mm. that that's that, mm. that, that that is something that I know that's I think of as part of about the body positivity movement and the rhetoric is sort of like, Yeah, let's it would be great if we could love all love our bodies every day and maybe sometimes we could sit in not loving our bodies but still loving ourselves. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um yeah. I mean, I I also think about, I have a 10 year old daughter and one of the things that I do to try to cultivate a positive self image is to kind of not talk about bodies. I mean, Mm -hmm. we talk absolutely more talk about what our bodies do and like how amazing our bodies are because of what they do in terms of like being strong and playing sports or giving hugs or, um, you know, puberty is happening. So we're talking about that, but like not so much of like what your body looks right. like
0: right. yeah yeah not saying like oh you look so pretty but really you're saying like right you're really smart or yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah do you think that this perhaps goes too far in um the direction of
0: i worry about it being uh i liken it to colorblind casting yeah versus sure. color conscious casting yeah mm-hmm. um if it's like just wiping it away so we don't have to deal with it Mm-hmm. Instead of actually like, like confronting it, confronting it, yeah, yeah. yeah. I
3: don't see. Yeah, w- did you say this already? I don't see bodies. Yeah, I don't <laughs> see bodies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great
1: guys, um, let's do some plugs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, this is the segment where if you have anything you want to plug, anything you want to point people to, um, we can talk about it here.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, of our show, of course, we do have a POC night on Friday. Oh, this coming Friday. Yeah, Friday. What, Friday. What's the
2: date of that then? The 1st, November 1st. November 1st. Friday, November 1st.
0: And then on Halloween, we have like a special food drive we're doing for Oregon Food Bank.
3: And mm-hmm. I want to take this opportunity to plug something. I'm not sure if it's been okayed by anybody else, but I think it would be really cool if people came in costume. Yeah. oh that's cool oh yeah like Thursday a, your night favorite show people ghost. in costume that'd be fun people fine. in
0: costume get a free cookie it's not official that's just well he's giving out free cookies <laughs> <so>. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring I'll all the cookies out. yeah
3: um, I have something else I'd like to plug that's yeah. not that's not our show yeah. but it looks great I do too actually. I'm excited to go to, to go to it so it's at Artist Rep um, La Ruta by mm. Isaac Gomez um, and uh, it's focusing on the disappeared women of Juarez Mexico um christy miles is in it i'm excited to see her um so that's uh that opens this coming weekend yeah oh, wow. or maybe it's in previews
0: the bacchae and shaking the tree yeah. so much I've fun
2: got my ticket for closing night i'm very yes. excited oh you're going i'm going on closing i think
1: i'm gonna go on closing as well you should
2: get your ticket man well yeah for sure they're running out yeah.
0: me jane uh, oh yeah i'm taking I'm, my daughter to see yeah, that Yeah, i'm gonna go see that nice nice. i really love children's theater in this town that's where, actually that's oct right
2: same yeah
0: yeah that's oct northwest children's theater also does a lot of great work um i'll go ahead
1: and plug uh, redwood at pcs which yeah. opens this weekend um it's a fantastic show poc friendly show um and yeah definitely come out and see it uh they accept arts for all so if that means something to you
2: And if anyone's interested in a bit of a drive, um, I'm directing a a devised piece at Woodburn High School that opens on Friday, November 1st. Uh, We run on the 1st and the 2nd and the 8th and the 9th. It's $5 at Woodburn High School at 7 p.m. those days. If you want to see some high schoolers who have devised their own work, um, it's a great opportunity to do that. So, yeah. There you go. Full spectrum of experience there. That's right
1: um so great it was great talking to you guys thank you oh, for hopping on the show
0: yeah
3: thank you thank thanks you so much. Thanks. Yeah. this Got has it. been really fun <laughs>
1: fun to chat thank you for listening to this episode of radical listening if you have questions or would like to reach out feel free to reach out to our email which is radical listening at gmail.com or visit the coho theater website for more information and thanks for listening